You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme when I mentioned that Harold Kingston, well-known dairy farmer in West Cork, is going to be joining us on the programme this morning because earlier this month, uh, Harold decided to sell off his entire dairy herd. And that came as a shock uh, to some people because Harold would be well-known and, and certainly I would have interviewed him many times on the programme uh, through his work with the IFA and he would be well-known for speaking out on behalf of dairy farmers. But unfortunately, he got COVID last year and he's one of those people that has been left with really lingering symptoms after COVID, the so-called long uh, COVID. And of course, depending on who you're speaking with who end up with long COVID, everybody's symptoms can be so different. But one of the one of the symptoms that seems to be consistent across anybody battling with long COVID is this extreme tiredness. It's just so hard to get through the day. But that's prompted a listener to say, looking forward to the interview uh, with Harold about long uh, COVID. Uh, but the system makes the point, Harold Kingston, like so many other farmers, a very hard worker and took pride in his uh, farming. M- many dairy farmers are working, what this listener says, is dangerously long hours pushed to the very limit and that's pushed to the limit for both mind and body. The listener says Harvest 2020 has uh, put farming on its head. Farmers need to value what matters which is their health thanking you and I'll put that point to Harold when he joins us uh, later on so thank you for your text to 086 103 103. Control of dogs very much in the papers today because owners of dogs that attack other animals are attack other people could be fined at least €5,000. Now, if the fines come in at €5,000, that will double what is the current penalty and it's under major government clampdown. Owners will be prosecuted under the Control of Dogs Act and the con- that covers dogs not being on a lead, for example, or not being under control. There's talks of an extra 40 dog wardens. They'll be provided across the country under recommendations from a report. Now, this report is going to be brought to Cabinet by the Agriculture Minister, Charlie McConnell-Logue, and the measures, of course, are coming in after a series of dog attacks on both people and on animals. There was the, when it comes to animals, there was one incident in particular was where 80 sheep were slaughtered during what was described as a horrific attack in Tipperary, and that happened in recent months. So Minister McConnell-Logue, along with the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, they established this interdepartmental working group which was tasked with reviewing dog wardens, the number of dog wardens we, we have. They were tasked with looking at things like microchipping, dog licences, how that is working, breeding establishments, the sale of dogs and also looking at increasing the fines for anyone found to be the owner of an out-of-control dog. Now an interim report from the group, that's what's been brought to the government today and that's expected to suggest extra dog wardens, the doubling of the fines to 5,000, as well as setting up some kind of a centralised database for microchipped dogs that obviously then would improve dog traceability and uh, welfare and they're seemingly just some of the 15 recommendations. Now increasing and bringing in extra dog wardens by an extra 40. At the moment there are currently 50 dog wardens across the country which is just such a low number when you think of the number of dogs that we have in this country. So by increasing by 40, they'll almost double. I'm assuming some people will even say if they do increase it by 40 and bring it up to 90, will that even be enough? 
I'll be very interested when they when they finally make these recommendations uh, for for us here in Cork because of the size of our county. I think we need a lot more dog wardens than say a smaller county like Leitrim uh, would actually need. Now a separate centralised database for dog breeding establishments that would see the regulations around breeding and the sale of supply of dogs uh, strengthened. We know we have a problem with puppy farms in this country. When you look across all of Europe we're known as kind of the European capital when it comes to uh, puppy farms. We never seem to be able to get a handle on these puppy farms. There are regulations in place but they just don't seem to be strong enough. So hopefully under these recommendations that there will be a strengthening when it comes to these puppy farms and hopefully we could see the day where we don't have any more uh, puppy farms. Now it's an interim report that's going to be discussed today and the group will finalise its work by the uh, summer. Um, now, when we've been talking about animals and the slaughter of sheep, let's not forget we've had children who have not only been very badly attacked, we've had, had, had children who've been killed in these by some of these dog attacks. There was a little four-month-old baby, Mia O'Connell. She was killed in Waterford. It was a terrier mauled her to death. And then I think the case that made all of the papers and everybody was talking about happened last year in County Wexford. And that was the nine-year-old boy, um, Alexandra Mizen. And he spent six weeks in hospital. He went under, had to undergo major reconstructive surgery. And that reconstructive surgery hasn't finished after he suffered severe injuries when he was attacked by a pit bull terrier. Remember he was out playing football on the green uh, with his other friends and a pit bull terrier got out from another house and he was attacked but it was all, his face was destroyed, it was a lot of facial uh, injuries and at the time the Taoiseach was Michal Martin and remember he described the incident in uh, Wexford as shocking and uh, disturbing and when you look down at the numbers of people that have been attacked by out of control dogs there was 130 incidents where a person was actually injured by a dog, that was recorded last year according to data from Angarda Siakona so that was for 2022 130 the previous year there was even more dog attacks in 2021 there was 179 attacks uh, reported and the breakdown of those figures were unrestricted breeds was 47 34 attacks were from the restricted breeds and 98 attacks were from unspecified breeds which I mean really shows that while we have this restricted breed any dog unfortunately, uh, has the potential to uh, attack and cause uh, serious injuries. There was 54 incidents involving pit bulls. Now, pit pit bulls are on the restricted breeds. So 54 incidents since uh, 2017. That's according uh, to the Irish Independent, where other dogs, rabbits and even cats were killed by uh, pit bull terriers, along with adults and children also suffering severe injuries in some of those attacks. And I know whenever I mention pit bulls, we will have people listening to this programme who have much loved pit bulls and who say, oh, my pit bull is, you know, the kindest softest creature would never attack anyone and I do accept that there are wonderful uh, pit bulls but unfortunately it's the strength of these dogs and some of the dogs and some of the dogs and the way they are bred and the way they're looked after and they're certainly not looked after by responsible pet owners and they sort of ruin the breed then for everybody else but I think it's the strength of some of those dogs that when they do decide to attack it's the damage that they can do so we'll keep a close eye out from uh, out for what gets discussed today and as I say we, we 
won't have the finalised work from this group until the summer. But that's some of what's been suggested. Doubling the fines to uh, 5,000, will that be enough? Uh, And the increase in the dog wardens, that's the one I think a lot of people will welcome. But should we even have more than 90? If we get the extra 40, it'll just bring it up to 90. Just spotted another text. We're getting these almost daily now. Uh, People wondering when will the bonus 200 euro social welfare payment that was announced by the government last week, uh, when we know it's going to be paid in April, People are looking for the exact date and when it's going to be paid in April. And all the Department of Social Protection gave an update on it late last week, and they say that they're working for they're working on it and they're hoping that this they're working on the plan is that this payment will be made in late April. Still don't have a date, but that's the latest update that we had from the Department of Social Protection. So late April leads me to believe it'll be the last week in April. As soon as we get a date on it, we will bring it. Uh, to you. Uh, But that €200 bonus payment uh, will certainly be of use to a listener who has written to the programme and of course we always welcome your handwritten letters here uh, to the programme C103 Majestic uh, Business Park in uh, Mallow and this is a letter and I I suppose it ties in as well yesterday when we were talking about the friendly call uh, in group in Cork helping people who are feeling isolated and this listener writes to say a nice house is not everything. I am living uh, alone. I am a widow and I'm living solely on a widow's pension and I really, really am struggling. I have no coal and no blocks and I have a very, very empty uh, fridge. You'll see me every week going into the credit union and some may be thinking, oh, look at her. There she is saving every Friday. But in reality, I'm not saving. I'm going into the credit union every week to pay off a loan that I needed to get to buy a car and also to pay for the burial of my husband. I live in the countryside, so I need to have my car. It is a necessity. I've just paid my car tax. My car insurance is due shortly and I also need to factor in the cost of new tyres. So there isn't a loft left for food at the end of the day. And I hear people giving out all the time and moaning I feel about nothing. I often cry myself to sleep. I'm 73. I worked all of my working life. One pension. It's very hard going. This letter might give people a little bit of a wake up call. Thanking you, Patricia. Isn't that heartbreaking? Now, unfortunately, the letter isn't signed and I don't know what part of Cork County that this lady is writing to us from, but it is such a heartbreaking letter and I suppose it's reflecting what life is like for some when you're on a very, very fixed income and I don't know from the letter if the lady has any family members that could help her out. If she does have family members, has she shared with them how she is struggling? As she says, she lives in a nice house. So from the outside, people think everything is going okay. She's a nice house. She's a car parked outside. She's seen every week pottering into the credit union and people thinking, oh, she's doing well for herself, putting away her bit for saving. But she isn't. She's paying off her husband's cost of her husband's funeral and the cost of her car. So I don't know if she shared with, if she does have family, if she shared with any family just how difficult uh, times are. The only thing is and um, and I'm hoping that she's listening to us th- this morning to say to that, to that lady, you really should contact somebody like the community welfare officer because you definitely would be entitled to an exceptional needs payment. I mean to hear that you have no coal and no blocks and that your fridge is empty, you would definitely go in and 
explain your case, explain how you are struggling at the moment, then you definitely would qualify for an exceptional needs uh, payment. There's also the wonderful, wonderful bunch at the local conferences of Society of St Vincent de Paul. And I know for some people find it very hard to reach out to the Society of St Vincent de Paul, but they would help you and they would do it quietly and they would do it with in, in total confidentiality. Nobody would know that you're going to the Society of St Vincent de Paul. But my plea to you is to please reach out and uh, get help. You, 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 there's no one deserves a 73 years of age, having worked all your life, to be struggling to the length you're struggling at the moment. So either talk if you've got family members, let them know how hard life is at the moment or as I say go to somebody like the Community Welfare Officer all of the government ministers including the Minister for Social Protection is constantly saying to people there is a fund there that is for people just like you who are struggling at the at the moment but please reach out and uh, get help and if you, you know if you want to contact us we can give you details of, of where you can go as I say I just don't know where in the county you're actually uh, living but you know I, I wish you nothing but Good luck uh, going forward, but please reach out and get help. You really shouldn't be struggling to the length you are at the moment. Uh, and I imagine the winters was a very difficult time for you. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. A study conducted by the Banking and Payments Federation found almost 18 billion euro in contactless payments was made last year. And that's the highest level recorded since 2016 when the Banking Federation started collecting figures. And it was an increase of 32% on the previous year. So are we heading for a cashless society? John Lowe, the money doctor, thinks so. And he joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Oh, nice to talk to you again. Listen, always great to talk to you. How soon do you think we could be becoming a cashless society? Well, they reckon that, you know, about 35% now of all um, kind of contracts contactless payments um, will be down to 6%, or in fact, sorry, the other way around, uh, will be down to uh, 6% of cash payments by 30, 2031. So you're looking at eight years away, uh, whereby, you know, those people on, um, uh, you know, the, 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 in the black economy, for instance, uh, that they, they'll need to kind of start looking to change now rather than leave it for another few years. And is it happening all over the world? I, you know, I, I went to London uh, to see Tot- my team, Tottenham, against uh, Nottingham Forest, and I brought uh, about two hundred pounds worth of, of sterling with me, and I couldn't spend it. I went to the ground; um, everything was a card or contactless. I used my my phone. In fact, in fact, I use my phone more often than anything else because I have it on on uh, my uh, Android Pay. Um, so it, it's it's now the kind of norm. I mean, the next stage, to be honest will be you'll have a chip inserted into you and you'll go to your local supermarket. Not only will they know uh, who you are and what's missing in your fridge and pantry, um, but you won't. You just have to put your, your thumbprint up on, on, the, on the, the cash point uh, to pay for whatever goods you want. Can you genuinely see that happening? Yeah, I can, yeah. I can genuinely see some kind of a, a chip being in, installed into a body wow. at some later stage. Yeah. Wow, wow. Okay, what are the downsides to a cashless society? Are, are there any? 
Yes, there are. Um, Big Brother is watching you and knows everything you're doing. Are you, did you ever walk into a shop? Um, maybe it was a, a, a millinery shop, if there's such a thing now. Uh, it's all just you know hats and stuff. And then as you come out and you look up at your phone, Facebook has given you all all information about different types of hats. I know it, but it's just and yeah, it totally and annoys they know me. Who yeah. you are, where you are. Yeah. I, I actually got a Google Maps uh, email there uh, a few weeks ago to say I had done two point one times around the world in twenty twenty two. So they know everywhere I've been yeah. and what I've done and who I've been with and what I like. <laughs> um, it, it's disconcerting. Yeah. There's no doubt about that because you, you, they they know that you are uh, what uh, what kind of animal you are literally and what you like and what you don't like. Um, so, uh, but is that a good thing? I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm at a, a kind of a stage where I'm a, uh, what's the word uh, oblivious to uh, the fact that they know so much about me. I'm just happy that um, I'm, I'm quite IT literate. So I, I, I use the phone for what I've in fact, got the latest phone, uh, which is a nightmare transferring it, by the way. You know, the latest Android phone is Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra, and it was only out in February. <clears throat> so I changed it there, and it takes an hour to transfer all your apps over onto the new phone. And then the worst part about it is you then have to go and put that password into every I single know, app. I know, I know, I know. Really frustrating. It is and, 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 yeah. But do you always, when you go out, John, do you always like to have some cash on you? I always have cash, ironically, and yet I can't use it anywhere. Um, I mean, I have a, a lady who helps in the house, for instance, and I would always give her cash. Um, and the, 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 the certain things that you would like to hairdressers next door. Uh, I'm follically I'm challenged, Patricia, so <laughs> I, I don't have to go that often. Yeah. <laughs> But when I do, uh, I would give them. I would give them cash, and and uh, it doesn't bother me if they don't record that or they have it in, in their their till and just part of the day's takings. Um, you know, I'm not looking for any receipts back, or I can't but, claim it back. But, unfortunately, but, but whenever, whenever we talk about cashless societies, we we inevitably will get calls and texts in from older people. Uh, I mean, what about older people who've you know who always talk about oh, cash is king. And that was the old. That was the old statement of years ago. That's gone. Cash is not king any longer. I mean, your phone is king. Uh, I mean, how many people, if they lost their phone, it's like losing your right arm. Okay, listener wants to know. The, could you give the precise, exact and precise definition of cash being legal tender? He, this listener says, "I'm sick in the head of people ringing your program and texting and saying cash is legal tender and therefore it can't be refused." When in reality, it can and is often refused in shops. Okay, talk to me. Talk to me about that. Are are businesses legally entitled to refuse your cash? Well, well, you go to Tottenham Hotspur. And, uh, I mean, I tried to give them cash. They wouldn't take it. I can't start to have a stand-up argument with them and say, listen, I want to pay for a pint of beer and I want to give you cash. No, You know, you either accept their terms or not. So they're legally entitled to actually charge in whatever method they choose. So if, if they want a, a cashless uh, business, um, well, they, they, they are subject then to the vagaries of maybe losing out on your business if you decide that you only want to pay cash and you're going to go elsewhere with your business. Well, we have the ongoing argument with the GAA who are insisting that everybody buys their tickets online and that is causing consternation among some people who like the idea of going up to the turnstile and handing in their cash. But you, they, you can't do that anymore. 
you, you know, I, I was I just uh, kind of uh, reminiscing uh, with another person there a couple of days ago about mortgage applications in the future. I know you have to get a statement. You might get a statement from Revolut, and you'd have every second one, you know, uh, Paddy Power, drug dealer, drug dealer, Paddy Power, drug dealer, drug dealer. Because <laughs> you imagine, you know, that's the good thing about uh, being a cashless society. Hopefully the, the, the drug deals will actually go down and it'll, be, uh, it'll put them under pressure because they deal in cash. Yeah, actually, Jerry, one of our listeners, is making that very point. What about criminals, especially drug dealers? Surely they only deal in cash. <laughs> will, will it put them out of business? Well, that's the hope. That's the hope, Patricia. And, uh, but they, that's what I'm saying. You know, can you imagine going to a drug dealer and say, I've got a Revolut on my phone or I've got a, a, you know, a, pay, a Google Pay, Apple Pay. Um, can, will you take my phone? <laughs> There's a record. They'll never take mm, it. Mm. They'll never take it. By only using cards, though, John, is there a danger of overspending? Um, there's always a danger, and especially if you don't check your statements. Um, that is the problem. And, you know, uh, some people allow the balance to go to the threshold, to the limit, and then suddenly they go into another shop and they buy something else and they're told, oh, sorry, it's been refused because you've reached the limit. Um, you don't want to get to that stage because, you know, uh, it, it's not like, you know, if you have a limit... Uh, on on your credit card, it's not a, a kind of a competition to see how much you, uh, how quickly you can get rid of it. You know, you you should be really. I use a credit card like a charge card. So when my bill comes in every month, I pay it off. I don't ever have uh, a balance. You know, it'll take it twenty years, Patricia. If you have a balance and you're only paying the minimum every month, it'll take it twenty years to pay it off. Yeah, and there's huge, there's huge interest going yeah. go, uh, goes with it. Um, hi, uh, Patricia. I was in a shop in West Cork at the weekend. There was no Wi-Fi in the shop. The Wi-Fi had gone down. Luckily, I had cash in my wallet. Cash is still uh, king. That is the problem. <laughs> and we had that was, do you remember that big match that was the Americans were all over for it was yeah. a college match and they ended up having to give out the free drink and the free food? The Navy uh, and um, uh, was it Patriots or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, those things can happen. But, you know, we, we're, we're, we're surmounting a lot of those problems. And we're getting to, I mean, as I say, it's going to suit the banks. Don't forget, it's the banks who are really pushing this because it means that there's less staff involved. It's all online. It's automated. And it means that they can make more profits. OK, question for, for John from Bill. Bill says, I go into a shop and, and I want to purchase an item. The item is on sale. I go to the till and it's, I, get, I hand in a 20 euro note and they say, sorry, no, we only accept card. Uh, we are a cashless shop. Am I entitled to take that item because they have refused to no, take my then, legal tender? You're not. Yeah, no, unfortunately no. not. No. no, you have to abide by their rules. Uh, if, if, but they miss out on your business. That's, that's the, it. That's the, yeah. the that's it. bad part. And I mean, the, obviously at the moment, there's so many online and, and, and mobile banking. Is that, It's already going on. Is that going to be the norm in a number of years, walking into a bank branch? Will that be? Will, will, will we be reminiscing about, remember when you could walk into a bank branch? Well, it's like walking into a self-service restaurant now or a supermarket, where there's no, nobody, there's just holes in the wall and machines. Um, I think that the banks, will, will, you know, they're, they're cutting down on their branches all the time. You'll eventually get, it'll be online. Look at, look at Revolut, uh, N26. There's a number of banks over in Britain. You have Starling Bank uh, set up by an Irish woman, and they've got a million people already in, in that online bank. So there's no, there's no bank, mm. there's no branch, and you do everything online. Um, for some people, it suits. 
uh, you know, one of my <laughs> my trips, uh, I went to Moscow and Russia uh, and uh, St. Petersburg in March 2020, just before coronavirus hit and everything went down. And it, I mean, it was a fantastic trip, but I needed to get some rubles. <clears throat> and I went to um, uh, Dublin. They had none there. I went to France, Paris, and I went to a little exchange currency shop. They had uh, 54 rubles per euro. Went into St. Petersburg, another exchange currency shop, 55 rubles per euro. Then I took out my Revolut card. I stuck it into an ATM in St. Petersburg, and I got 72.9 rubles per euro. Wow. You know, so, I mean, there's lots of advantages to, to using some of these um, cards and, and services, um, and that was certainly one of them. And did, did I read lately that Revolut are going are moving into the car insurance and and, and loans? They they had uh, up to about uh, six months ago. If you had a Revolut account, um, they were based as such in Lithuania. So your your bank account had an IBAN with LT at the start, which which meant caused problems for it, people. It caused problems for a lot of people, a lot of, of, of suppliers and providers who wouldn't accept it. Uh, now they've moved to an Irish bank uh, with an Irish IBAN and BIC number. Uh, they've now moved into insurance. They've got an under-18 card where you don't need your parents' permission. Um, so they're moving in the right direction. And, you know, a lot of the uh, institutions here, like on Post Money, who, are, for me, they're the sleeping giant. Um, they're starting to kind of follow in their footsteps. And, and, and uh, you know, it's a brave new world. Mm. OK, and just very finally, John, while, while we have you on, what advice do you have for people who are struggling to make ends meet with the cost of living crisis? It's so difficult because it is, it is a struggle and it is it's hugely difficult. And literally, you're back to nearly Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, accommodation, clothing. So you need to make sure, number one, you've got food on the table, irrespective of what bills you've got out there, and that you've got a roof over your head. So they're the two important parts. Um, you have to really, uh, you know, when I, when, when I give out a budget to people, and again, your listeners are very welcome to, to write to me and get a budget plan or spreadsheet, it's a fantastic little thing, nice and simple, operate, easy to operate, um, and you just you know input all the stuff and it tops itself up as well, the whole lot. But you've got four, three choices once you uh, have looked at your expenditure and you, you've asked yourself the question, do I need it? Is there a better, cheaper alternative? And the three choices, if your expenditure exceeds income, is you cut costs, you earn more, or the third thing, which a lot of people are doing, prioritize. And that's why I say over the last five years, you know, 300,000 families in Ireland stop paying their health insurance. Yeah. So, you, I mean, it's, it's not, not as simple as that, but you've really got to be practical about it and see, you know, what is, you know, what's important, what really is important. And if you get into difficulty with paying a particular bill, I assume you'd advocate contact, whoever it is. The, the communication is the most important part of it. I mean, I'm, I'm a personal solvency practitioner, but those people in MABS are saints, every single one of them. <clears throat> and if you have a problem with a bill, uh, or, or say you have no asset, but you've got up to 35,000 uh, in debts that you just can't get rid of, you go into MABS, who are an authorised intermediary, and they will sort you out. They will also maybe even get write-offs They'll give you a restructure on all of those debts. There is a solution, Patricia, yeah. for everybody in the country. Yeah, just don't bury so, your so, don't so bury your head exactly. in the sand. Yeah. You need to communicate, even with your your bank, your lender. <clears throat> you know the tracker rates. I, I had customers, clients, before Christmas, uh, chucking their um, tracker rates out and. Uh, 
basically going for fixed rates. And they've got some really excellent fixed rates there. Some of them now have left it too late, and now they're paying 5 and 6%. And it's a struggle. So if it's a struggle, contact your, your lender. There's a solution. Okay, good advice as always. John, pleasure. Thanks a million for joining Not us. Not at all, pleasure. Good bye morning bye. to you. Bye-bye. John Lowe of the moneydoctors.ie. Last week, the donkey sanctuary in Liscarra took delivery of four pregnant mares and three foals and were forced to announce that these animals will be the final intake at the sanctuary for the foreseeable future. To discuss what literally seems to be no room at the inn, I'm joined by Laura Foster, who is a Director of the Donkey Sanctuary in Lascaro. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very well, and and we know how busy you've been because we've been just dis- we've been chatting with you over the last uh, year or so about just how busy you all are at the sanctuary. Uh, but this news, I have to say, does come as a little bit of a shock. Was it a very tough announcement to have to make? Yeah, I mean, as you say, we have been talking for for the best part of two years now about the fact that our sanctuary facilities are usually running at absolute capacity in terms of our ability to house donkeys uh, from the community. And so for the last couple of years, we have been working on the basis that we would make space wherever we could for the most vulnerable donkeys. So um, that's why people who follow us on social media or see some of these rescue stories in the press We'll, we'll see that we've been taking in uh, pregnant mares and foals. Um, so they have sort of constituted really the, the donkeys that have been the most vulnerable out in extreme um, circumstances in the community. And we've made space wherever possible. So I think the shift now is really that at this moment in time, um, we have reached absolute maximum capacity. This this Galway case was a was a large scale rescue. There were 19 donkeys involved. Um, And as you say, seven of those came into us, four pregnant mares, three foals that that will turn into 11, obviously, when when the mares give birth. So, you know, all animal rescue centres have to be mindful of their own welfare standards. Um, You know, it is not good practice to just keep piling animals into into uh, infrastructure that isn't designed to house that many. So we're being responsible. We're saying that for the time being, we really cannot take any more um, donkeys into our care from the community setting. But I should stress that it does not mean in any way that we are reducing our our activities. If anything, we're busier than ever. Um, We're doing tons of work in the community to try and work with donkeys that need our help out in the community. But I think we're we're one of many rescue centres and animal welfare charities that have come out recently particularly off the back of, um, you know, the the aftermath of COVID when a lot of people were relinquishing particularly dogs back to to the likes of the Dogs Trust. And I think the DSPCA um, just made an announcement last week that they're no longer able to take any any dogs. They've got over 800 on their waiting list. So I don't think we're unusual, but it is it is, of course, a tough thing to um, to communicate. But as I say, we we are working hard to, to find solutions for as many donkeys as possible as we can. I mean, it's it's I'm right in saying it's the first time you've ever had to put up the, the full sign. It, in, it is it is in the sense that we really don't have any space at the moment at this moment in time. I mean, a lot of people are really surprised to hear that we have as many donkeys as we do. We have over 1,700 in our care. And um, 
we spread those out across farms and holding bases and we have a lot of donkeys out in guardian homes um, which are like foster homes we we retain ownership of those donkeys but they go out into um, sometimes very long-term very happy lives with people in the community but we have experienced a lot of those homes having to return donkeys to us so that puts a lot of pressure back onto our sites Um, and you know donkeys live a long time so we're committed to them for life and we're committed to the donkeys in our care they have to come first so um it's it's you know it's the first time i think that we've had to say actually at this moment in time and this is a transient situation um but we we really don't have any space at the moment yeah. and and what, Laura, what we're doing Laura, do you always fight to save the life of of a donkey only putting them to sleep if absolutely necessary it's you know euthanasia is a difficult subject to talk about with with people as as with anybody who has a companion animal who is very much part of their life and that and that they love very much it's 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 a moment that everybody dreads um euthanasia in the right circumstances is a, a key way of reducing suffering and uh the reality is that there are a lot of animals um in our case a lot of donkeys out in community settings that are suffering greatly and that suffering is just being prolonged and euthanasia is is obviously used when animals are in very poor health and their quality of life is such that they won't have a good quality of life but similarly euthanasia is something that any responsible person whether they're a vet or a, or an animal owner would consider if the chances of that animal leading a, a good onward life is not possible. So it's it's a it's a difficult subject, um, but it is essential if if you have an interest in in animal welfare, then you have to talk about euthanasia in cer- certain circumstances. I mean, the the case in Galway, we had to um, we we didn't we we work with veterinarians veterinarians who give their advice in in community cases, but. Um, four donkeys were were euthanized on site due to to very poor health um it was the kindest thing to do absolutely and we're working hard to see if we can find solutions for the remaining eight that that are on site um to try to rehome them to try and see what, what can be done um the difficulty is sometimes with donkeys is if they've not been handled if they're not used to having any interaction with humans these 19 donkeys have never known shelter some of them you know they had never known proper husbandry um their hooves were in a terrible state um they had not been fed or cared for properly so to try and get an animal like that to live in a you know what we would think would be a a, a cozy loving setting it's completely alien to them so rooming animals from those kinds of circumstances is very very difficult and often you will stress the animal out much more by trying to to transport them and manoeuvre them in those sorts of circumstances. So it's a really complicated situation for our teams. And I must say, I'm just so proud of our welfare teams. This this winter was really tough and they have coped admirably with a really, really um, a quite a high number of very severe cases of neglect and abandonment. Yeah, you've got you've got a great staff uh, for sure. Do, have we any idea, Laura, how many donkeys are actually in this country? That's such a good question. We really don't actually not not to any degree of accuracy. 
um, we know how many we have. Yeah. <laughs> we know we have over 1,700. But the problem is, is that most people, uh, I, the, I, what we would see when we go out into the community and we go out into welfare cases is that the majority of the donkeys that we see are not microchipped. They're not passported. Now, that is a legal requirement, but there are very low levels of enforcement around that legal requirement. So, you know, when donkeys are not being microchipped, they're not being passported, they're not registered. It means that the equine census that the government now does every year to count the number of equines in Ireland gets carried out. It's simply not reaching most of the people who have donkeys on their premises. So we really don't know how many there are. Um, as I say, we have over 1,700. We went out on over 1,500 occasions last year. And a lot of those were to repeat repeat donkey cases to, to, to donkeys um, across Ireland. But the number is likely to be, you know, significantly higher than the official statistics. It's dreadful. OK, and while you're full at the moment, can't take in any more uh, donkeys for now. The message to other people is you're very much open to visitors. Absolutely. We remain open to visitors. We're still very busy working with donkeys and helping donkeys in the community. So um, please do come down and and see us and support us if you can. We love that. It's the most glorious uh, place to spend an afternoon. Laura, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. And keep up the great work that you do. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye bye. That is Laura. Bye bye. Bye bye. Laura Foster, who is director at the Donkey Sanctuary in Liscarroll. No room at the inn, unfortunately, for the poor old uh, donkeys. But please, if you've got an afternoon to spare, uh, go out there, bring the children out there. It's just a glorious place to visit. Now, let me go to a number of calls and texts coming into the programme. Firstly, there was a text in with regards to somebody who was listening to yesterday's programme and picking me up on something I said. Read yesterday's programme, which I listened to at night. So obviously the sister's not listening at the moment, but hopefully they'll be listening to us at, uh, later on tonight. If, if they are listening tonight, good evening to you. Anyway, this listener said, the word to speed up a, pro- a process is expedite, not expedite, a word which cannot be found in any English language regards dot dot dot. No name for that. OK. Uh, and do I use um, expedite? I do. Expedite. Do I use both words? I do. Anyway, expedite and expedite. Uh, expedite came into being, it seems because of an error when copying the word expedite into a dictionary. But according to my research, both versions of the words are acceptable, but expedite is more widely used. So I should use expedite more because expedite, as I say, initially it was copied into a dictionary incorrectly. But you would hear both words uh, used. And if you you even do a quick Google on it, it'll it'll come up as both meaning the same thing. But um, obviously the correct word to use is uh, expedite. Expedite. I see I'm already getting confused. Expedite. I will do my best to remember that in the future. And thank you for your text to 0862-103-103. On the Donkey Sanctuary, John says, Patricia, the government should take a leaf out of the Donkey Sanctuary's book regarding people coming into this country. No room at the inn. I don't know if there will be a lot will agree with you on that, John, but there will be others will say, um, how can you turn down somebody who is fleeing a war? While John in Carrigaline says, Patricia, 
Dyke heard the people, the good people at the Donkey Sanctuary, Laura Foster, talking with you, talking with you on the programme and saying that they're full at the moment. Surely a simple solution would be give every farmer in the in the country a donkey to keep. A farmer would hardly miss a bit of grass after feeding his or her own cattle. After all, many years ago, every farmer would have had a donkey. Would that not be the problem solved? I wish it could be as easy as that, John. And actually, as Laura explained, they do foster out donkeys. They don't don't, don't ever give them out in ones. They give them out in twos uh, because they're very sociable animals and they like to be with a, a partner. And there are many people around the country who have fostered donkeys on behalf of the donkey sanctuary. So it isn't just as simple as opening the gates and say, come one, come all and take one because they look after those donkeys for life and they want to make sure that they get the proper care and attention. And someone else who obviously regularly visits the donkey sanctuary says they should have a playground area for children and maybe a party area and a cafe. That would be fantastic. Maybe that's maybe suggested to them the next time uh, you're out there. Uh, Anything I think that can be done to encourage people to go out there but it's such a wonderful facility it's free of charge you park up your car you can walk along you can see the donkeys last time I was out there I was in a cafe they had a coffee machine I remember getting a, a cup of coffee uh, out there when I was out there was it last year I think I haven't been out there this year uh, yet but wouldn't it be great if they had a, a full cafe out there uh, for sure thank you for your text now some of your calls in on dogs when we spoke about what's happening with new what will be new measures due to uh, come in and uh, the it's this is a report that's going to an initial report going to cabinet today and the working group that are finalizing the recommendations under the control of dog acts it won't come until september but they're looking at things like in, doubling the fines to 5000 uh, euro for somebody who doesn't have a dog on a lead or if a dog has not been kept under control but they're also looking at things like a centralized database for dog breeding and also to make sure that every dog is microchipped and looking at licences and how people pay the dog licence etc. Bill in Clonakilty says until we see consequences for the way people behave with their dogs then nothing will happen. Bill says he's nothing against breeds like pit bulls uh, but he said if a dog attacks until somebody either pays a huge fine or ends up doing jail time then the problem will simply continue. Action is needed Needed now. You see, we need enforcement on the dog laws that are there and then stricter penalties when people are brought before the courts. Thanks for that, Bill. Carmel says in the estate where she lives, just last weekend when she was driving in, she saw this woman who was waiting on her dog. Now she says the dog was a good distance away from the owner and obviously off the lead she was letting the dog have a bit of a run around and then Carmen noticed there was a man who was across the green his dog was on his lead and she said she could clearly see that man was waiting for the woman to get her dog under control before he could walk on with his dog. He was probably anxious in case the dog off the lead ended up coming over to his dog. It all leads to irresponsible pet ownership. The woman who was in the middle of the housing estate with her dog off the lead was the one that was in the wrong and also shouldn't be putting other dog owners in such a position, not to mind if there was young children who might have decided to come out and play around the uh, estate. It is responsible pet ownership is what we need. 0818 And then my chat with uh, John Lowe about are we heading towards a cashless society and John feels that we are and not everybody likes the idea of a cashless society. Charlie is in Whelan. Charlie says if card does become the new way to transact, how 
will charities fare out when they're out and about with their bucket collections? What about church gate collections? It will involve everybody changing their ways and introducing tap facilities. Well, only last Friday when we had the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day, I'm sure they had tap facilities. A lot of charities now will have the bucket collection and there will be a facility on top uh, to tap. And I know in churches, some churches, certainly during COVID uh, times when they started to reopen, they introduced a facility whereby you could you could tap because it is a problem for people. I mean, I always like to have cash on me. Do I use? Do I do tap? Of course I do. But I always like to have cash. I'm, I'm very old school in that way. For fear you go somewhere and you walk in somewhere and for some reason your card decides not to work. How often have you got in somewhere and the card just for whatever reason isn't working? You know, It could be the particular terminal that the shop is using might be playing up or whatever and therefore I always like to have uh, cash on me and certainly if you're donating to charity it's nice to have cash but a lot of the charities are already Charlie adapting and already have a tap uh, facility. And then a West Cork listener says listening to you chatting with John Lowe and you asked him at the end of the interview what advice would he have for people who are in desperate financial circumstances at the moment. Well, my advice would be to first empower yourself psychologically with the right mental health techniques to put things into perspective and basically to be able to mentally tolerate anything that's put before you. I was once on the brink of taking my own life, but I learned mind techniques and now life doesn't bother me one iota. That's a scientific fact. There are solutions out there. In fact, there are more solutions than problems uh, nowadays. That's a good sage words of advice from West Cork. Listeners, stay well and stay healthy. Hi, Patricia. I'm listening to you chatting with John Lowe, the money doctor. He said when I was asking him but how would you know what what advances will we see with all of the chip uh, technology and everybody going cashless and cards? And he had suggested that a chip will be inserted into everybody. It'll be in your thumb, and you literally just put your thumb down on something, and you'll be paying. And whatever you need to be done will all be contained in your thumb. This listener says, "How dangerous will that be? It will destroy people." Please, please do not promote taking a chip. People need to wake up and see what's happening and what's going on. Keep using cash wherever you can. And then another listener says that they used to always go shopping regularly before COVID and obviously then shops closing and people looking after themselves. So this listener started to do more and more of their shopping online and they've stuck with online. They're now saving themselves the cost of going into town, the cost of fuel and the cost of uh, buying. And also when you physically go into, this is for supermarket shopping, uh, you buy more than you want. I'm very pleased with my shopping online. And I agree. I, I agree with you on that even though I do physically like to go into the supermarket and do a regular you know I try and do a big shop once a week but every now and again when life gets very busy I do that click and collect uh, facility where I order online and the one thing I have noticed when you do order online and then I physically go to the shop and and, uh, pick it up myself and I know you can have it delivered uh, as well but anyway uh, I do the click and collect I always notice I spend less because you literally only buy what you want. You know, you go online. It's, it's a pain in the butt doing it. But once, once it's done and dusted, it's, it's done. But you literally only buy what you need. But what I've certainly noticed when you're out and about shopping, you will see a lot more people with shopping lists. And I think shopping lists will work the same way in that if you bring a shopping list 
and you only stick to the shopping list and then you don't get sucked in by any of the offers unless you really want some of the offers and you literally stick to just what's on the shopping list. list. There are a number of people doing that at the moment as a way of trying to balance the books and trying to make sure that the, that the ends are a meeting. And I read out that letter from that widow who had just really describing a, a really, how just how difficult life can be when you're on a fixed income. She's living on a widow's pension and really struggling at the moment. Described having no coal and no blocks in the house, a very empty fridge. She has to have her car on the road because she lives out in the countryside. She's just paid her car tax. She's getting her car insurance money together at the moment. She also is trying to put money aside for new tyres and when everything's paid, she said there isn't much left at the end of the week uh, for food. She goes every week into the credit union but it isn't to save money it's to pay off for the car and she's also still paying off on her husband's funeral it's just absolutely heartbreaking uh, letter but she started her letter by her, by saying a nice house isn't everything meaning on the outside people can you know the perceived notion is that that woman is living in a nice house with a car outside she must be doing well but that is not always the case. But a couple of people are making the point. Uh, she's obviously living on her own as uh, a widow. And if her house is her own, would she consider renting out a room? You can get €14,000 a year tax free. And I don't know if this woman has ever thought about that or not in its company as well. The only thing is, she does live out in the countryside. So I don't know how much in demand renting out a room uh, would be. Um, that rent-a-room scheme, but certainly it is something that you might be able to look look into. And then there was a lovely text in from someone, if I can find it, uh, where is it gone to, from from Jim, who says, uh, Patricia, that was a heartbreaking letter that uh, you read out about that poor woman struggling with her bills. Uh, Jim said, I'd be willing to supply her with timber blocks if she was anywhere around the North Cork area. How can you're such a kind man, Jim. But the problem is, I don't know where this woman lives. She sent the letter in anonymously, so I don't know. Only that I know she lives in a rural area. But, you know, she could be down in West Cork. She could be parts of East Cork. She could be in North Cork. She could be one of your neighbours, Jim. And it's just people... That's why I'm always saying when people start you know, making up what's going on in other people's lives and she look at them with their big car and their fancy house. Nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors and particularly with this cost of living uh, crisis. So be, be very, I'm always very slow to judge anybody else. And I know sometimes when I get texts in, it's one of the reasons I don't read out every single text, even though we personally read them here. But some of them I don't read out because you just don't know what's going on uh, behind somebody's uh, closed door. Uh, but thank you, Jim. That's a really, really kind offer. And if that lady gets back on and is in the North Cork area and would be very willing to take a very kind offer of some timber from Jim, we'll certainly put you in contact with her, Jim. Uh, 0818 Three and a programme I I didn't get to see last night but I will try and get to see it later today. Michael is suggesting Hi Patricia, I would say Katie Hannan's show last night was past your bedtime, well past the bedtime uh, Michael, but it's a must watch for you both in relation to the baby John case, the Kerry baby and also the man who was jailed for something he never did well, I will make a point uh, Michael of downloading that on the player on the player Thank you for pointing that out to me. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Hamilton French Recruitment. They've got vacancies for a site dumper driver with CSCS card. It's for the Mallow area. Electricians wanted for Raheen in Limerick. 
and a gate attendant wanted for a new site in Blarney. CVs for any of those positions to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. A fully qualified and part qualified motor technicians wanted for Eamon Tarrant's motors. They're based in Bantir. CVs, please, to careers at etarrant.ie. And staying with mechanical jobs, a motor mechanic is wanted for CVRT Centre there in Blackpool. CVRT training can be provided. CVs, please, to garage at dcrononmotors.com. And Chair Hair Salon under new management, they're recruiting two new hairstylists. It's to fill the team in George's Key. CVs, please, to owner at chair.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, earlier this month, well-known dairy farmer Harold Kingston from Court McSherry shocked a number of people by deciding to sell off his entire dairy stock and get out of milking after 35 years. To find out more, Harold Kingston joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Harold. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, I take it this was not an easy decision for you. Can you talk me through your thought process and how you arrived at that decision? Okay, so the easy questions first. <laughs> so, <laughs> Straight yeah, in. It, 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 yeah, like, look, it, 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 was, it was tough in a way, but that it was logical. And, and that was the way that I, I worked through this. I know... I, I was lucky at driving on during January, as 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 you and your listeners are aware. I, I got COVID last summer and wasn't recovering fully. I thought I was flying away reasonably well during January. Um, I know, normally speaking, for for dairy farming, I I actually the same way as somebody be training for a match or a race. I I train for January in order to be ready and set up, but you know, physically for for uh, for calving season. I wasn't able to do that this January. And um, Feb- February hit me like a train, really. Um, so, like while while long COVID wasn't the the reason for for the change, it certainly was the catalyst to to get me to assess my options, as it were. Um, and and I realised, you know, I'm looking at looking at succession, I'm looking at um, clearing a few debts, and I'm looking at at setting the farm up in such a way that I can pass it on to my son, who is doing leaving certs uh, this year. Um, and, and realistically, is, I want to give him the opportunity that if he wants to come home, that he's now watching me um, running myself into the ground for the next couple of years to try and keep things going until he comes back and he's under no pressure. Um, so everything is 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 remaining in situ in terms of being a dairy farm. Um, you know, the, the milking machine is is there. It's it's being maintained. Uh, the bulk tank is, is is shut down so as to make sure that everything is protected um, until such time as he decides if he wants to become a dairy farmer again. And is he showing an interest that that's where he wants oh, to yeah. go? He is. Okay. Yeah, he All is. Right. Okay. He is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's definitely interested in, in agriculture. Definitely. Anyway. So so look, I want to give him give him the opportunities and so on. Um, so like, look, the farm is set up as a dairy farm. So what I 
I know, like as such, I'm I'm still going to be a dairy farmer, but just not milking cows because what my my plan uh, going forward is that uh, I will be rearing young stock for for another dairy farmer who will concentrate on milking his cows, and I will concentrate on rearing his calves and heifers. Um, it's something I had been half considering myself uh, last year um, if, if I was staying looking was that I would get somebody to to, to rear my young stock um, again it's it's just taking another job out of the system and it's allowing you to concentrate on the on, on the, the, the on the cows so uh, instead I'll be I'll be offering that service to somebody else now um, take me back then to the to a few weeks ago and going into Bandon <clears throat> Mart what, what was because because yeah. I know you love doing what you're doing. You loved being a dairy farmer. Oh, yeah. And that herd you yeah, personally yeah. built up. It, it it took there was there was a good bit of work in building up that herd. Um like I, I when when I came came back farming there was there was a mixed farm here. Um my my dad would have been doing a little bit of, of contracting in terms of baling and 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 bit of combining and and so on and he he, he would have been doing all his own machinery work here we were cutting our own silage and so on uh when i took over the farm i realized partly because of environmental regulation coming in and so on i needed to upgrade the, the milking parlor i did that in in 2001 i moved into a new parlor and at the time i think i was milking 37 cows um and through Paying well for for quotas and for um, and by doing partnerships and so on, I built I built up the herd. Um, would have bought a good few animals and and so on. Uh, my dad would have always he, he would have done very little breeding of animals himself in terms of that that was a Hereford bull was running with the cows. Um, so it wasn't until I came home that uh, that we started doing any any AI and breeding of our own replacement stock and so on. So it has taken the full length of time since I came home really to build the herd to where it is now. Um, it has changed a little bit in focus in between because I was doing winter milk. Um, so you were looking at, at much higher yielding cows than what I what I finished up with. Uh, and, and the focus then switched to, um, you know, a, a slightly smaller cow uh, focusing on on producing solids, which is what Carberry needed for the for the cheese making. So um, you know the focus would have changed, and and the breeding policy would have changed a bit in between, uh, as well. But I stuck with with black and whites and st- stuck with purebreds all all the way through. Um, so yeah, it 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 was, it it was it was a big thing. You know, there's there's something about the herd and about being part of a herd and so on that um, is is different to to selling a number of animals. You know, selling surplus stock was something I was doing every year, um, or or maybe buying in a few if I needed to, which I I haven't had to do for for a little while. But you know, there'd always be changes within a herd and new ones coming in and ones going out. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a big thing selling them. Um, was it was it no, emo- was it emotional? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even even though as such, there was there was there wasn't an awful lot of time for emotion on the day itself, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it was it was pretty well full on and busy. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, the weather hasn't improved an awful lot since, but as such, the weather turned um, two days before that. So there were there were a couple of very cold nights and 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 heavy rain. 
uh, after a long period of, of, of dry weather. Um, so, you know, things things were not um, looking good that way in terms of, of you know, the, the field conditions and different things. So I was worried enough about them that way. And it meant that I, I, I um, had silage out for them for that morning and, and so on. Uh, so that when the cows came in that they got a, a, a fresh bite and, and, you know, the dry ones were the ones that were yet to calve were brought in the day before for to, to have them settled and ready for the, the first lorries because I knew the first lorries were going to be arriving while it was still dark as well. So I needed to have a certain number of animals in, in the I yard. I know, I know. Um, and, they, and they made the price. I don't want to ask you what you made, but they made, they made the price that, that you were looking for. And, and a month on, yeah. um, when you reflect, have you, mm. have you no regrets? No. No, um, look, there, there's, there, there's, there's times, all right, that you, you, you wonder what the hell was I thinking and so on, but, but, but that, no, um, no, definitely, I think it was, it was definitely the right decision. All right, because um, a listener you know, when are, are falling into place. That a way. listener, when I mentioned earlier that you were going to be joining me on the program. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, was making the point of, you know, what a great hard worker you are and you took, you've always taken great pride uh, in your work. But he was making the point that dairy farmers are working dangerously long hours, pushing themselves to the limit, both body and mind. Yeah, there's a certain amount of that, but that's, that, that's part of what I was looking at on, on this is that, you know, mid-50s would be generally fairly healthy and so on, bar, bar the COVID thing. Um, you know, I could keep going, but did I want to keep going? I'm not, I'm not, you know, I have to be realistic in terms of, of you know, I can't do things now that I used to do when I was in my 20s. Um, and, you know, realistically, it, it was about setting things up so that I'm, comfortable to be able to still farm for the next number of years i'm not i'm not retiring uh completely you know it's just the as i say to people the cows are gone i'm still here you yeah, know so i think it's, um, I think it's I, I'm, really I'm still farming yeah you've taken a very sensible approach talk to me harold about the long mm. COVID. what are you left with what are mm. the symptoms so uh, yeah like what what i'm what i'm left with is is i still have these chest pains when 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 i i you know, if I come under pressure with with um, whether it's physically or mentally, actually, um, you know, if I get tired, I get these chest pains, and it means literally just sitting down and and not doing anything for an hour to an hour and a half in order to to clear those, um, you know, and 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 like I I'll get confused the same way uh, from 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 that. So it's 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 some some kind of a muscular thing. Now look, I'll, I'll have a bit more time now to focus on, on getting right. Yeah. I'm definitely improving and, yeah. and and improving dramatically over over where I was, but that it's still lingering there, and it means that I can't really do a full day's work. That right extreme now. tiredness um, that people talk about. Do you, do you have that? Do you get very tired it, after it, any it, kind of exertion? Yeah, it's 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 tired, but without like I'm I'm not physically tired 
in terms of that, like the, the the first day for a long time, actually, that I that I managed to be physically tired was the day of the sale because it was a long day. Like the first lorry was in at a quarter past five and I got home that night at, at just after eight o'clock and I still had to feed the cows. Or no, sorry, my son had, had fed the cows, but I needed to check a few things and, and milk, milk, milk one cow that, that wasn't well in the morning and see after her and so on as well. So I had a few things to do. So that was the first long day and adrenaline kept me going for that day. So I, yeah. I managed to make myself physically tired that day so yeah i i'm tired but but not physically tired so i don't you know i'm, I'm not capable of making myself physically tired if, okay if, if all right and you didn't you weren't affected by the loss of taste or smell were you with when you got covid yeah so um i'm a strange one actually on on, on the taste and it's not necessarily the taste itself it's more to do with the texture because um for all things of of, of being a dairy farmer i can't put milk in my tea or my coffee at the moment because ah. the taste uh, yeah I'll, I'll feel sick with it um and it's more to do with the texture because i can i can drink a hot chocolate yeah but i can't put it in and, and i can drink cold milk i'll drink loads of cold milk um but i can't drink orange juices or or things like that either so so that's that tastes our texture feel um, isn't I, I that bizarre? Isn't that yeah. isn't that bizarre? It, 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 it is. It really is. Mad. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I also mentioned earlier. Of course, you're well known, and I've spoken with you on many occasions uh, with relation to your work with the IFA. Is the IFA mm. presidency on your radar in the future? It it it. it uh, it's it's not in the immediate future, um, simply because I wouldn't be up to physically running a campaign right now. So that's gonna. I, I'm not even thinking about it, considering it. It would have been nice to be able to have a chat about the possibility of considering it, but it's not uh, a possibility at the moment because physically I wouldn't be able to to take it on. But just um, for now. So, so yeah. Just for now, it's, it, just for oh, now, for, you're yeah, not like, you're look, not ruining it out. Look, look. The, tr- the trouble is that I'm I'm finished my role in 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 um, the end of this year, and uh, realistically, there's probably not too many other roles that I can get into, so I might be forgotten about in, in five years' uh, time. Who you'd, knows? You'd, um, you'd but make yeah, a look, fine look, you always. I'm 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 always about keeping options open and so on. So look, who knows? Look, there's there's lots of other options that uh, that, that I can um, I can take on uh, outside of uh, just just physically farming. Um, yeah. and it doesn't okay. have to be IFA. So while you know, the so while I'll the da- I keep my options open definitely. Well, yes. while the dairy herd is gone, you're certainly not retiring. That's the one thing. That's the one thing we can pick no. up from our chat this morning. We wish you uh, the Absolutely. best of luck in the future, and we will speak again, Harold. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining no us. No doubt. Uh, good morning you, to you. Bye bye. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, last week on the programme, I read out a text from uh, a heartbroken mother, as she described herself. She was outlining to us how her son, who always wanted to be a car mechanic, had failed a colour blindness test. And unfortunately, the garage where he completed a very successful trial were not then able to offer him an apprenticeship. Now, we're still waiting on solace to see if there is any way around this issue for this young lad. But in the meantime, our career guidance expert, Roisin Kelleher, joins us with advice and to talk in general around apprenticeships. Good morning to you, Roisin. Good morning. Now, Roisin, I always thought it was just pilots who uh, couldn't be colourblind, but it seems there's a number of trades where you have to pass this colourblindness test. Exactly, there is. And it is very disappointing that that young person, I, I presume probably in his leaving search year, 
because she had the work experience. Of course, they don't have to have a leaving cert, but most young people nowadays do have a leaving cert with regard to the apprenticeships. But what I'm concerned about is that it was at this stage that he became aware that the colour vision test was a requirement. It should have been picked up with this young person, in my view, from at least a transition year, or indeed, of course, earlier. So, yes, it does apply to uh, 13 various apprenticeships. And also, I think it's very important to say with regard to all the various courses, now the three main courses in marine engineering, they also have to pass a colour vision test. But in Northern Ireland, you can get these corrective lenses, which allows you to bypass uh, this and you can go on to become uh, a a mechanic. And that's why Mm -hmm. we're on to solace. Uh, do, do, Do you think something similar should be brought in here? course, but they will tell you it's on health and safety grounds. And at this time, they're not accepting that. But I'm very pleased that you are pursuing this with Solis, as I have myself. But this is where this is where we're at at this stage, yeah. that it is a necessary requirement. So there's and nothing, is, there's nothing that this young lad uh, can do. And I, and, I, and I know the garage who were giving him the apprenticeship, mm-hmm. he had done his month's trial with them. And as his mother said, she'd never seen her son come home like up to his elbows in oil. But he was so happy and delighted with himself. And it was only then that they discovered that this colour blindness test had to be done. Well, it's awful. Very, very disappointing. I can only suggest that there are third level courses. I'm not, I know it's not the same, yeah. but a third level course in now NTU, formerly CIT, in the auto business area, if you wanted to stay in that environment. Yeah, yeah. But sadly, at this time, the rule is there and it's not flexible, it's not accepting anything else. Unless, of course, as you say, as they have told me, that they are looking into it. But it does apply at this time to 13 various craft trades. Including, for example, what else? Well, there's a list of them there. There's electrical, of course. There's plumbing, instrumentation. There's aircraft mechanics. There's construction plant fitting. The motor mechanics is the one that's in question. Heavy vehicle uh, mechanics. Agriculture mechanics electronic security systems, the vehicle body repairs, then mechanical automation and maintenance fitting, electrical instrumentation and refrigeration and air conditioning. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose anything where there's wires, where there would be colours. Anything where there's wires, yes. Yeah, I would would never, as they say, I just always thought it was applicable only to uh, pilots. Anyway, we're still awaiting uh, for Solis to get back. And and, uh, sadly, I suppose, one in 12 males can can have this issue with the colour. Uh, vision, uh, one in 200 females. It's more males uh, than females. More males. Yeah. And then, of course, for these particular type of trades and crafts, it is more males have been traditionally more attracted to them. Yeah. So it is difficult with regard to that. And I sympathise with this young person and, and the parents, but I'm very sorry that this young person has only become aware of this yeah. at this stage. Yeah, he could have. That shouldn't be. Yeah. Now, there is an open day tomorrow afternoon in the training centre here in Bishopstown. And any issue like that, would they please go to us and bring those issues? They'll be there to answer all the questions. And I would suggest to the younger people, the persons that are now in junior cert or fourth year, considering uh, these particular apprenticeships, that they would go along tomorrow. They don't have to register. All they have to do is to walk in and go ask plenty of questions and get the information. And they can see the various apprenticeships in action, if you like. And the trainers are there to explain 
everything about them. Okay, so this is for anyone considering an apprenticeship. An open afternoon that's on tomorrow afternoon between uh, two and five at well, the Cork College of FET. This was probably the old fourth building there. It was just opposite the entrance to MTU. Okay. Do you do you believe do schools and career guidance teachers and other teachers in schools do they push apprenticeships as a career? Do you know? I don't know. I know that they very much are encouraged, though, and I know at our latest conference which was two weeks ago in Sligo, which I attended, there certainly were workshops and apprenticeships and they were well attended. So somebody must have this information. I would always push the apprenticeships and the person who's there and is interested in it. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people. And there are 66 different types of apprenticeships, uh, Patricia. Not to mention, of course, the ones that have a level eight and honours degree programme at the end of three years, which is absolutely fantastic. It is a situation where you can earn as you learn. Now, however, a person must have a sponsor. And for some people, this can be a little bit of an issue. If it is, well, then there are pre-apprenticeship courses that are available in the ETBs as well. And the uh, Cork ETBs had their open days earlier this month on the 7th of March. So, you know, they're doing everything they can to attract more uh, young people into this area of apprenticeships and the plan is that it will double of course in the few in the, in the next five years that it will go from a 20,000 to 30,000 5,000 at the moment to 10,000 which they hope by 2025 but indeed certainly people will have to be encouraged to consider the apprenticeship as a wonderful way of training and a wonderful career. And God knows, uh, Roisin, we need these apprentices. We need these uh, trades. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, people are screaming out for electricians, plumbers, whatever, right right across uh, the range. And there are ma- so many job opportunities, not just here at home. I mean, you can travel the world with any of these trades. You have an international qualification. And again, I would encourage the females, the girls, to consider it and the employers who take them on get a bursary. So they are trying to encourage very much the females into these various areas of and all of that should be 100% considered uh, by a young person. So that's why tomorrow afternoon is a very good opportunity for students to go. Now, there is also a helpline that they can find out. And the helpline is free. Obviously, it's a free phone helpline. It says 1-800-794-487. That is staffed for persons there to help with inquiries from 10 o'clock until 5 every day. Okay, and while, you know, when we talk about apprenticeships, or generally speaking, when I'm talking to you, we're, we're, gen- we're yes. in the main, we're talking about people who are doing their uh, leaving search. But of course, apprenticeships, there could be people listening who might want a career change, a, yes. a complete, you, yes. you know, and there's no way you can, you, can, you can take up an apprenticeship at any age, I take it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, open, it's open to all persons. So that's why tomorrow, and getting the information or using the helpline or getting in touch with people who know what they're talking about <clears throat> to gather this information. <clears throat> okay, so that's at yes. the Bishop at the Bishopstown uh, campus, the Cork College, the of training centre. Yes, the training centre, two to five. And as you say, no appointment needed. You can just simply turn up. Just walk in. Okay, listen. You're a mind of information as always, Roisin. Thank you for that. And there will also be an open day in the Kinsale campus on Thursday, and the, there will be the post leaving cert courses as it happens. They have an open day on this Thursday coming up and they have a whole range of interesting courses there, including the permaculture, which is the gardening without any work, or so they say. <laughs> <laughs> per-
permaculture. Can I have one of those? Can I have one of those, please? Says you. Well, okay. Exactly. Is yeah. that worthwhile turning up on Thursday yeah. to find out about that? It is indeed. <laughs> it is indeed. Roisin, thanks a million. You're very welcome. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That's a wonderful uh, Roisin Keller and she has a terrific website as well. Uh, Roisin Kelleher uh, IE. Always great with the career guidance advice. Uh, 0818103103 and talking of websites I saw somebody sent in a text about Annalise Dressel who joins us on a Monday with all of the nutritional advice and we had a very a busy nutritional start yesterday and somebody said does Annalise put up the details of everything that she talks about on, on yesterday's show I can't see it on Facebook no it's not on Facebook you need to go into Annalise's website which is healthhubstore.com all the one word healthhubstore.com and what she does and I've just gone online there when I saw your text uh, come in uh, what she does is after her slot on a Monday she puts up all of the items that was mentioned on the radio uh, show if you just scroll down through the her her homepage and you'll see it and it's got the list of all of the items that she spoke about so people can look at the items and find out more about it and more importantly you can find out how much the various items cost that she was uh, talking about so that's healthhubstore.com uh, and I send congratulations please to the transplant team of Ireland they won silver at last weekend's transplant sports UK soccer tournament which was held in Birmingham last uh, Saturday and if you go through the transplant team Ireland you will notice there was four Irish lads selected for the team Mike Johan from Oscarbury who I've spoken with on many occasions uh, on transplants um, Mike part of the team as was Mick O'Shea Mick is from Mallow Owen Crudge is from Clonakilty and Patrick O'Driscoll is from Ahiol and they were all part of the transplant team Ireland that won silver I don't know who they were beaten by in the final but congratulations uh, guys and if you dig down through the team they're made up uh, all of the guys on the team have all had all different types of uh, transplants and any opportunity that we can get to encourage people to please carry an organ donor uh, car is more than welcome so I'm only too happy uh, to mention these guys and how well they are doing and it's fantastic those transplant games to see people who get a chance at a you know a second chance at life and then they go on and they take up all types of different uh, sports and there are world transplant games that go on and it's just I just think it's fantastic and I think for the family members who have to make it's a very difficult time for family members when their loved ones organ gets to be donated because it means it's the end of one life but they're giving the gift of life to somebody else and I always think when these transplant claims happen it must give some comfort to people who over the years have signed those uh, consent forms and only last week we highlighted on the programme when the wonderful Marion Coleman from Charleville spoke to us she was a living donor she donated a kidney to her uh, son uh, Neil so please do remember to carry your organ donor card and you also need to speak to your family members to make sure they're aware of of your wishes should God forbid something happen but well done to Transplant Team Ireland picking up silver in the Transplant Sports Soccer Tournament last weekend and thank you to Kevin who's passed me on his uh, telephone uh, details he was listening to the letter I read out at the top of the programme from uh, one of our listeners a widow 73 years of age and really really struggling at the moment living on the 
pension and just saying it is so hard on a fixed income on one pension to try and run a house and while she lives in a nice house she said a nice house isn't everything she's no coal she's no blocks she says she's an empty fridge she has to keep her car on the road because she lives in the countryside so between car tax insurance she now needs new tyres she said there is very little left for food and she goes in every week after she picks up her pension to the credit union and while some might think she's saving she's unfortunately not she's in there thank God we have the credit union she's paying off for her car but she's also paying off the loan that she had to take out to bury her husband God help her but she wrote to us just saying that she's hearing people giving out all the time and even though she worked all of her life she really is struggling at the moment trying to survive on one pension and she's just hoping that if people hear her letter and hear her story it might give people a bit of a wake up call that you know some people complain about the most stupidest of things and this is the reality for this a woman it's just such a heartbreaking letter and Kevin was on to us to say that he's in the East Cork area and he said I'd love to give that woman um, some coal and some uh, timber if she's anywhere in the East Cork area and I know Jim contacted us he's in the North Cork area he said he'd love to give her uh, blocks um, I just don't know where she lives. She has written to us anonymously. There's no name, there's no address on it. But I'm hoping that she's listened to the programme and that she's hearing us today and, you know, knowing that there are really kind people out there who'd love to help her. They'll do it quietly. Nobody will even know anything about it. And I'm hoping that maybe she might call John Paul 0818 103 103 or if she wants to write to us again and uh, pops down a telephone number, we will make contact with her because I really would love to get her at some help because she really does sound like she is str- and I know there are so many people struggling out there at the moment but she just seems very much on her own as a 73 year old and a widow she just needs a, a bit of help just to get her over this current cost of living uh, crisis 0818 103 103 now on the uh, some of your calls and texts coming in where will I go to next John in Middleton was on uh, to say that did was I aware that they're bringing in wood uh, chips from Brazil? They come in by ship into some port and then when they are docked at the port they're transported then to an electricity station in Offaly and John feels, I mean the carbon footprint of that alone just kind of scares the life out of me. John says, why can we not let Irish farmers cut back their ash trees and make the wood chip out of the ash trees? He says there's an ongoing problem at the moment and this has been ongoing for a while with felling licences for farmers. I know we spoke about about it. Was it last year or the year before? No, there was a problem with felling licences. And John says, just to let you know that that problem is still going going on. He said, surely we have enough trees in this country and farmers have enough trees in this country that it could be an extra source of income for them as well, that we could be using our own chip, our own trees to turn into the wood chip that's needed for this electricity station in Offaly rather than importing it from Brazil. And just as I say, the carbon footprint of it would scare the life out of me. And we have the Greens in government and they, I mean, they do everything when it comes to our carbon footprint and trying to reduce our carbon footprint. Yeah, I would agree. I don't know the full story behind it uh, John I'll see if I can find out more about it but it just it, it, on paper it certainly doesn't seem to make sense 0818 103 103 Esther says her son is going for an apprenticeship similar to the woman who contacted us last week whose son was all set up to do the apprenticeship and then discovered that he was colourblind Esther said one optician tested her son 
and said he was colourblind. And then they went for a second opinion and a second optician said that he wasn't colourblind. Well, I know in the case of the woman last week, she took her son to Dublin to go to some experts to see if, if, if he could be tested and he has come out as colourblind. I know the point you're making, Esther, that if if you get an initial diagnosis of being colourblind, get it checked. But it is, as Roshan Kelleher, our career guidance expert, it's much more common in boys than it is in girls. And I don't know why. Did she say one in 12 boys or one in 12 men are colourblind versus one in 200 women? So I, I don't know why. And thinking about it, any person that I know is colourblind they're all men I don't think I, I don't know of any female that is colourblind it's all men that I, that I know and I don't know what the what the, the medical explanation for that why are more men colourblind than women and of course because of what we're talking about with apprenticeships the women can go absolutely girls can go ahead for apprenticeships but in the main it's men uh, pick up on those jobs 0818 103 103 we spoke about the donkey sanctuary earlier on uh, Greta says that over the years they have one of those you know where you can adopt a donkey from the donkey sanctuary and they give you regular updates monthly updates Greta uh, said she got he was called uh, Echo and she said we used to visit the donkey sanctuary and keep updated on him if everybody gave a little a month it would certainly help out the donkey sanctuary and listen people are absolutely fantastic when it comes to fundraising for the donkey sanctuary a lot of people have a great affinity uh, with the uh, sanctuary and that adopt where you can adopt a donkey that that's going on as well but listening to Laura today it isn't just a, this isn't a funding issue God if it was as simple as a funding issue people would go out and fundraise for them they have literally run out of room they've had so many donkeys come in since uh, Covid times and even before Covid times after the, the, the crash there was a number of people surrendered donkeys uh, but since Covid they're just in the last number of years they just seem to have an influx and they literally have no room left to take in any more because if they take in any more if they try to squeeze in any more then it becomes an animal welfare issue for the new donkeys coming in and the ones that are already in their care. Now they're just saying they're not taking in any more for the foreseeable future. They Hopefully we'll get everything sorted out and maybe they'll be able to foster out more of them uh, to people and that will open up the, that will make space available then at the sanctuary particularly for some of the very sick and neglected uh, animals. And then somebody said, Patricia, I remember hearing from a friend who grew up in West Cork. They always kept donkeys on their farm. And the sister said that she remembers her friend saying that if you keep donkeys with your herd, the herd will never get TB. Now, maybe, says this listener, it's an old wives' tale and I have no scientific explanation for it. But I'm wondering, has anybody else ever heard of that? Any farmer listening to us, if you keep donkeys with your herd, God's pity you didn't send that in when I'd heard Kingston on who was a dairy farmer. But the according to this listener, and she heard it out of West Cork, that your herd will never get TB if there is a donkey. You keep donkeys uh, with the herd. If anybody, uh, if anyone has any update on that, let us know. 0818-103-103. And then yesterday I was contacted by a listener who sent in a text on an ESB scam. Now, it was a new one. I'd never seen it before. It was a scam that they had received onto their mobile phone telling them that they were entitled to discounted electricity. And of course, everybody at the moment are worried and struggling with their electricity costs. So you just might be encouraged to click on, click on the link. But of course, it is a scam. This was Michael contacted us yesterday. Well, he's back to say, I contacted you yesterday about the ESB scam. Uh, another one I've been getting nearly every and a couple of times some days for the last two weeks 
is an automated call saying my IP address has been compromised. Now, I assuming I'm assuming that it's an upping of the Internet scam that we had and was going around, knocking around for quite a few years. I think that they feel that we're not falling for the original scam anymore. So they're now changing it and using this IP version instead. I have never had so many scam calls and texts as I'm getting this year so far, says Michael. Michael says, I'm starting to wonder, is it connected to the HSE breach? As I was one of those who was contacted to say that the information was compromised when the hacking took place with the HSE. I don't know, but it all seems very suspicious and it's extremely annoying, says Michael. So uh, did anybody else get those letters that were doing the rounds? I think the the HSE said it would take them up until April. So it's not to say that everyone hasn't received the letter, but the bulk of the letters have gone out from people to say that their their data was compromised when that hacking happened with the with the HSE. Now, for most people, you don't have to do anything and it wasn't a worry, it wasn't a concern. They're very much keeping an eye on the dark web to make sure that the information isn't being used in any way. But Michael is just starting to get suspicious that he gets one of those letters and it just happens. Now, it could just be a complete coincidence that he's seeing an upping on the number of internet calls and scams that he is receiving. He reckons he's never had so many scam calls and texts as he's getting this year and he's starting to get suspicious. Could it in any way be linked to the hacking in the HSE because he was one of those who received the letter. Anybody else received one of those letters? And like Michael, have you noticed an increase in scam calls and texts? An increase, say, more than you would have got last year or more you got on previous years. Let us know 0818 103 103. And I want to... it was John Paul spotted this out of uh, Donegal and it's to do with road users in Bally Buffet in County Donegal. Some of these road users are so sick of the state of one particular local road. It's the Mill Road um, in Bally Buffet that they made up their own signs and the results have left passing walkers and drifters in fits of laughter. The anonymous sign maker, now it's a professionally made sign. This wasn't made in somebody's on somebody's kitchen table with a, like a piece of cardboard and scrawling out the words or it wasn't made, made in somebody's garage. Somebody went to the bother, the effort and the expense to go to a professional printmaker and ask them to make up a sign and it's warning. It's a big sign and they've put it at the side of this road, Mill Road in Valley Buffet, that seemingly is pickled with potholes. And the sign says, potholes ahead, remove dentures, tighten brass straps. <laughs> and obviously people are getting a great kick out of it but it is drawing people's attention to the fact that there's a lot of potholes and if you're new to the area you certainly will drive with extra- extreme care and the sign seemingly it's gone viral on uh, social media with one person joking you have to blow your horn coming up to some of the potholes in case there's somebody else in it before you manage to get there and it does look like the sign has worked because lo and behold the issue of that particular pothole road is set to be brought up at the next Donegal 
uh, county council uh, meeting. So we'll keep an eye on it. But potholes ahead. Remove dentures and tighten your brass straps, ladies. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And best of luck to everybody involved in the Patrician Academy players. They're presenting Philadelphia Here I Come at the Amelian Theatre in Mallow. It opens tonight and it's also on Wednesday and Thursday night, 8 o'clock each night, with tickets available from the Academy School Office or by calling 022 21884. And bingo is on in Shambhali Moor Community Centre. That's tonight at 8 with a jackpot, €1,250. Also, best of luck to Boerbui Comprehensive School. They're presenting Annie. It's the TY show. It's in Whelan Community Hall and they open tomorrow night, Wednesday, and they're also on on Thursday. Doors will open at half seven. Show will start at eight. Tickets, €10, are available by phoning 029-76032. And the March public talk by Dukas Clonakilty Heritage will take place on Thursday night, half past eight, in Clonakilty GAA Pavilion. The topic will be Boss Croker. And the lecture will be delivered by Fakna McCarthy. A five euro cash charge will apply on the door on the night. And people should note it's a half past eight start. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Ireland's Own presents part eight of its Birth of a Nation series, The Story of 1923. Peace overcomes violence as the country welcomes the end of a brutal civil war. W.T. Cosgrave and his government map the future of a new free state. Ireland's own centenary special 1923. On sale now. Cupra. Formentor. Two words causing quite a stir. Because this car stops you in your tracks. Even when it's standing still. But that's what it was designed to do. Make a stunning first impression. Turn heads in your own 231 Cupra Formentor. It's ready and just waiting to be driven away today. Take the first step towards your new Formentor. Search Cupra Official. GiveBlood.ie know we can count on you, our community of blood donors, to give blood and to choose to be there for others in their hour of need. Blood donors from Fermoy should attend the clinic in Cork Marts in Fermoy on Wednesday 29th and Thursday 30th of March. Making an appointment is recommended, so call 1-800-731-137 to book your time. New donors are welcome. Visit giveblood.ie to check eligibility and clinic details, because we count on you. Deliveroo presents Decision Time. With 10 euro off your first order, how will you choose? Let dreamy noodles slip and slurp into your thoughts. But you hear pizza's cheesy strings playing on your mind. Oh, but now you're caught between two burger buns. You want everything. So what's it to be? Use code 10 euro Ireland for 10 euro off your first delivery. Deliveroo. Food. We get it. Feast season season geographical restrictions apply. New customers only. Minimum order 15 euro. Excludes 18 plus product sends April 16th, 23. See Deliveroo.ie for details. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. 
Okay, some of your texts uh, coming in. Jim in Clonakilty, this is on a scam text he received saying his current account was going to be changed and to click on the link. It stated it was with the credit union, but he said he immediately got suspicious because his local credit union wasn't named on the text. He rang Clonakilty Credit Union and they said, no, not from us, that is a scam. We don't issue texts like that. Actually, we've, I don't know if we're still running them. We were running ads, I'm sure, on behalf of the credit union nationwide, telling, uh, warning people that there was scams doing the rounds for the credit union because before it was the pillar banks the credit union hadn't featured in any of the text so it's obviously a new one that they're using now so be careful of getting a text in from the credit union uh, always and you did the right thing there John if you ever get a text like that just ring your local branch on a number that you know is your local branch and uh, find out for sure if they're trying to contact you or not. Hi Patricia, when I was growing up I remember hearing people say it was very lucky to keep a donkey with your cattle. The donkey is known to be lucky. I'm not sure has it something to do with the cross on the donkey's uh, back or not. Yeah, I've I've heard that before uh, as well. On the John who was complaining about the wood chips being brought in from Brazil and then have to be transported down to Offaly where they're going into electricity power station and could farmers not cut down their own trees and could we not use our own trees rather than importing these wood chips John and Clonakilty uh, says um, our own farmers um, uh, the issue of allowing our own farmers to cut down their own trees we have the greens in power at the moment we soon won't be able to cut our own hair says uh, John in Clonakilty. And then Mary has a bit of a worry. She got a lovely bunch of flowers for Mother's Day and when she was arranging the bunch of flowers there was a beetle in the middle of the flowers and it got her thinking where did those flowers come from and where did that beetle come from? She said, hearing you talk about the importing of wood chips when we import those wood chips could we be bringing in many unwelcomed bugs um, that uh, we don't want to have in this country but isn't the same with bananas isn't it the same with any fruit that comes in there's always the risk that some kind of pest will come in with it and particularly ones that we won't, don't want to have in this country and then John and Cove was on um, uh, and uh, this kind of saddens me really the, remember the letter I read out uh, from the widow uh, who contacted us who's really really struggling at the moment and uh, finding it really hard no coal no blocks very empty fridge and once she's everything paid off and the bit put away to cover this bill and that bill very little left at the end of the week and, uh, she, and she actually said in her letter that she often cries herself to sleep 73 year old worked all of her life and is just finding it really hard on one pension to run her house and her car and she has to have the car because she lives out in the countryside she'd be completely isolated she doesn't have public transport outside her door well, John contacted us and said, OK, a widow living on her own. John assumes she's probably getting, if she's on a contributory pension, she's probably getting €264 Euro, uh, a week. And is she also getting other benefits? Uh, he wonders if she's living on her own, there would be other benefits like um, she's 73, so there would be a living alone uh, allowance. He cannot understand why she's finding it so hard to live. He's wondering, does she receive a fuel allowance that will help towards coal and blocks? He reckons there's a lot of people in her position and they're paying rent out of their €264 uh, a week and they don't own their own home. He's asking why is she struggling if she's got additional benefits and is she claiming all the additional benefits she's entitled to? Like, well, John, I I don't know how much uh, the full amount is. I mean, she said at the top, a nice house isn't everything. And and 
and I, I think what she meant by that was people on the outside looking in might think that she have she has everything. I, I assumed that she owns her own house. I, I don't know uh, if if she is or not. But she did say, John, in her letter that she's paying off a loan for her car that is absolutely essential because she lives in the countryside. And she's also paying off for the funeral of her late husband. She's just recently paid her car tax. She's now getting her insurance money together and she also needs new tyres and she's obviously trying to be put a bit, her bit away. She's not in any way leading a lavish lifestyle, that is for sure. And she's finding that when, and obviously she's got uh, electricity on top of that. Uh, we assume that she owns her own house. She'll have local property tax. Maybe she's got house insurance. There's lots more bills that has to be paid out. And she is just finding that she has nothing left at the end of the week to buy coal and to, to buy blocks. So just, you know, while, while to you, you might say, oh, she's just not managing, she, you know, 264. How could she possibly be struggling? Well, she is. Why would she write to us? Why would she put that on paper uh, that she's crying herself uh, to sleep at night? I mean, you know, she's not leading a flahulic lifestyle that's burning up the 264 euros. So therefore she can't afford coal and uh, fuel. Uh, 0818 103 103. Uh, can I give a shout out to uh, where's this gone? He came in earlier. Hi Patricia, would you give a mention please to uh, a bingo fundraising night that is going to be happening. It's on Good Friday and Easter is very fast approaching, isn't it? It's Good Friday. I know Easter Sunday is the 9th of April, so the Friday before at 8 o'clock in Drina Parish Hall. Free entry. All ages are welcome. Raffa tickets will be available to buy on the night with fabulous spot prizes uh, to be won. And all proceeds are going to Drina Community Play School. So if you're looking for something to do on Good Friday night, uh, please mark that down. Drina Parish Hall. And thank you to Michael who sent me on a copy of a receipt for diesel that he purchased in Killarney on Sunday. And whatever it is, Killarney is always a great place, isn't it? for the cheapest petrol and diesel and Michael managed to get diesel last Sunday in Killarney for €1.57 a litre that's the cheapest I have seen diesel on sale I I am seeing it in a local garage where it's one fifty nine in Mallow and it's actually the diesel is cheaper than the unleaded I think the unleaded at the same garage is one sixty, but the diesel has gone no, not in many garages I've only seen it as, as one and I don't know what the petrol was in that Killarney uh, station but I did see a piece in the paper today that the cost of home heating oil has fallen to levels not seen since Russia invaded Ukraine the average price of a thousand litres of home heating oil across the country 988 euro yesterday that's from the price from the website that monitors the prices oilprices.ie and you would have to have gone back to February of last year which was just before the invasion before you would get similar prices to that below the 1000 euro and also take into account that in uh, June carbon tax went up um in no sorry carbon tax went up in May and that added an extra 20 euro to the cost of a full tank of oil and according to oilprices.ie the price of heating oil uh, has been dropping over the past few months around June of this year it started to turn and actually June was when more sanctions went on Russian oil so it's been steadily uh, coming down but it's been 12 months since home heating oil was 1 euro a, a litre so it's going certainly 
in the right direction. And I mean, if you were to buy it, certainly back in December when there was huge uh, demand uh, for people, I mean, they were limiting what they were selling. Oil suppliers, distributors had were forced to restrict supplies, but the high demand saw prices shoot up on average to almost 1,300 or just under 1,300 for a thousand litres of. So it's down now at below the 1,000 euro a mark. And falls in the cost of home heating oil come as the latest survey of petrol and diesel prices at the pumps are also showing that prices are largely unchanged. They started to drop last month and they've stayed roughly the same. Now, this is the general. This is the average across the country. For petrol, 165 uh, a litre. That's from the latest from the AA and they monitor it and they release their surveys every month. So they're saying 165 for petrol and they have diesel at 166, which is down two cent per litre. So diesel seems to be dropping quicker than uh, petrol. But do shop around absolutely shop around because if you keep an eye at various garages you'll notice even in the same town garages can be across the road from each other and there will be a difference in prices it all depends on what day the garage bought in the petrol and how much they bought the petrol and diesel for 0818103103 Pat says I got diesel in Kildarry on Saturday 156.9 whoa that's even cheaper I hope people support them as they're down on the passing traffic for months yeah due to the road uh, closures yeah I was on that road only the weekend uh, before last and uh, yeah and called into that garage for that very reason because I knew that they must have been really seriously down on trade because the road was closed for uh, so many months and good that they're offering great value as well at 156.9 thank you for your text pass to 0862 Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. And Joe Heffernan uh, joining us as the sun just comes out here. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And it's nice to see the sun uh, shining and the clocks uh, went forward last weekend. And while we might all be struggling a bit getting out of bed in the morning, it's just fantastic to have the brighter uh, evenings and looking around the garden, the, you know, the buds are out and spring has sprung and all of that. So you feel this is a good time to speak about hope and having hope yeah. uh, in, in our li- lives. What yeah. d- it, Does hope mean different things to different people? Well, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We might be hoping something will happen. We might be hoping that something won't happen or whatever. But um I see there's two of us in it today now, C103 and the Pope. Um, The Pope, I read this morning in the headlines, uh, has sent up a satellite, a nano book uh, about hope to circle the earth. Ah. So there you are. Now, we we mightn't have uh, as much of a geographical spread as, um, as outer space, but we'll do our own bit. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and hope is, we all need hope. We do, we do, because without hope, I mean, there is hopelessness and despair and depression. Um, we need to, to cling on to hope. Um, you remember we talked quite a lot in the past um, about Ken and um, getting that cancer. This is your son. And uh, yeah. he is now on his second uh, go of a new, very intense chemotherapy. So naturally, we're hopeful that this will will work 
and that um, you know that uh, that it will keep that oral illness at bay. Apparently, it won't be going away, but um, as I mentioned before, um, uh, Tommy Garman, um, uh, the ex-RTE uh, um, personality, um, was diagnosed with the same cancer 30 years ago. Yeah. So when I read that, I, I felt hope. very hopeful. Yeah, yeah. great hope. So, yeah. And yeah. actually, they can't... With, with Daffodil Day last uh, Friday and uh, I spoke with a lovely uh, young uh, woman who was diagnosed uh, with ca- with cancer and thankfully she's cancer free at the moment, still going through treatment, but is is cancer free. And that was one of the things that she said, one of the, you know, I was complimenting her for being brave enough to come and share her story uh, mm. with us. And she said, if I can just give hope to somebody else who's been diagnosed recently diagnosed you know and it was the word she used was hope if I can just give hope to somebody yep. and and we just hope is important for all of us in in obviously for somebody going through something like that but just generally yeah. in, in our lives it's generally hope. in our lives as you know I probably was acting the matter a bit about my, my hip replacement but um I can now put on the left hand, the left leg sock, and um, and 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 I'm 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 nearly getting there with the right leg sock. So there you are. That's hopeful. Um, yeah, from big things to small things, we need hope. Um, you know, and and it's important. Um, you know that uh, that we recognise uh, that we that we do need uh, to be hopeful. Because the opposite to that, uh, feelings of helplessness, you know, instead of like, for example, I can't cope with this, we might say, I need help with this. And instead of like, I don't see any way out, I'm so upset with everything, we can say, we can get through this. This is a setback, but we can adjust. So that like, instead of giving in to hopelessness, and kind of finding no reason to get out of bed, uh, we can get out of bed, we can make a cup of tea, talk to those we live with, um, or make a phone call to someone we know or some organisation. But um, we absolutely um, uh, we absolutely need hope like we need air. Because, um, you know, without it... Uh, Life is not good. Um, yeah, do, yeah. It's 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 not to let hopelessness take over. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and we we can all see times when when hope escapes us. Um, hopefully, quite temporarily. Um, you know, um, there can be a tearful time. There can be a time when we are quite down. But there is light, as they say, at the end of the tunnel. And we don't know what tomorrow or next week will bring. So we need to have it um, firmly in our heads like that things can get better. Um, And um, that will improve our mental well-being. It even benefits our physical body because it reduces the levels of stress. Um, and, And it increases our confidence that we can say, you know, uh, things will get better. I've been down in the past. Um, I've seen the world in a very black pit place in the past. But the light did shine 
once again. And, uh, you know, that memory, that fact um, will bring us through um, the present as well. And we can depend on, I think, um, I, it's, a, it's a thing I often have in my head, that what saw us through uh, bad times in the past won't desert us now. It won't disappear. That strength is there, but we just need to access it and to say, yeah, we can cope with this. We can get through this. And then I suppose very important is, um, uh, you know, the one day at a time. Yeah, I and mean, it's, it's about not isolating and, and withdrawing into yourself. And it's a little bit like that campaign that the gov- government is running. Hello World, is that what it is? It's aimed at the older people who had cocooned, that awful word, and people who, you know, who stayed indoors to protect themselves from COVID. And, and uh, for, for some of them, they're finding it hard to get back out again and there is a sense of hopelessness for some of them. Absolutely and I suppose um, you know um, a fellow said to me one time I don't know 30, 40, 50 years ago if you want to find the enemy Joe look in the mirror. Um, We can be our own worst enemy. Uh, We can um, resist doing what we know at a deep level um, would be helpful to us whether that comes from uh, um, a lack of hope or whether it comes from a bit of laziness or or where it comes from. But we can be our own worst enemy and we need to take ourselves on. So there was great meaning in that for me when the person said, if you want to find the enemy, Joe, look Look in the mirror. Um, That was the person I needed to take on. Okay, so some some tips for for us all to improve our mood. I mean, because that's, that, that's what hopelessness is about. You've got this very low mood and there yeah. you can't see the wood from the trees and that's where you need to desperately find that hope. So you have some tips. Well, yeah, I, I think it would be uh, to do with uh, basically other people um, in the sense that, I mean, if a person is very down, um, the, the, the antidote to that is to reach out. Now, whether that is to a group um, which is kind of focused on a certain um, uh, aspect of life, like, for example, aware, um, it deals very much with um, depression. Um, if a person had been uh, attempting to um, make life better um, through um, alcohol, for example, we all know it just doesn't work. Um so maybe there would be a reason to go and talk to someone. Now, that might well be a friend. It might well be um, a group like AA. Um, or if one is affected by another person's drinking, Al-Anon, um, uh, there's counselling. Um, uh, and and uh, uh, I hope we made it fairly clear recently that that doesn't necessarily have to be through a referral from a GP. It can be just pick up the phone, uh, look up the ISCP website and make a call. Um, There are so many helplines now for support. And I know that you and I have often uh, called them out. 
and um, I'm sure that you will again. Yeah, and there are small things that we can all do ourselves. I'm thinking back to when the when COVID first started. This Eileen, this wonderful woman who regularly uh, joins us on the comment line on the program. She's out on Bear Island, living living on her own, and she was like a breath of fresh air at the start of COVID when we were all so afraid. And you were, you know, and she was trying to get out and about every day. So she set herself little goals, reasons to get up every morning to get out of bed, you know. And she made sure she had the the hair done and the lipstick on but she went out and made sure whether it was a little walk or maybe a job that she needed to do around, around the house but she set herself goals Yeah and they needn't be major earth no. shaking they can be they things can be, to do you know reasonable goals Yeah um, I, I will walk my kilometre now in the minute and um, that will help me with my recovery uh, from the uh, surgery and uh, you know that's a goal it's um, you know, uh, it as I say, it's it's not earth shaking, but it's important to me. And just like that lady uh, on Bear Island, um, the small things can help so much. And the small things bring on that feeling of hope, um, you know. And uh, the uh, things that are important are, for example, to eat healthily, even if you don't feel like it. I found out that after my surgery, I just didn't want to eat. I was not in the mood at all for eating. But um, uh, through cajoling and uh, other methods anyway from herself, um, uh, there would be, um, you know, nourishing food um, available um, every day. And um, the the portions might be small, but... um, uh, it was insisted, I'll put it that way, that I would eat. And um, so I, I've been doing that. And, of course, the opposite of that would be unhelpful altogether. The little bit of walking. Um, uh, you know, if a person is more indoors, um, when there's a bit of housework to be done, to maybe do it that bit quicker or something like that, um, up and down the stairs, um, to be realistic about what we're able to do. I mean, um, it can be a bit of a downer um, to be uh, stretching it out a bit too too much that um, taking on stuff that one um, uh, can't do at the moment. There's an old saying, easy does it, but do it. Um, so do, do, those kind of things. Staying connected with other people, I think, is very I important. Think that's, I think that's an absolutely huge one because I think when you are feeling down and you are feeling hopeless, that's where you get into that rush of uh, withdrawing and you 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 isolate yourself and you can sit there moaning about, oh, nobody contacts me anymore. You need to make the contact as well because contact works both ways. Communication works both ways. Absolutely. And there's that old saying that we've used quite a bit um, over time. This too shall pass. That, um, you know, when it seems that the world is dark and that um, that things aren't great, um, uh, a consolation I would have is being there before, came through it, uh, better days followed, and even if today's days are a bit on the dark side, okay, um, just like it happened before, brighter days um, will come again. Um, like uh, Einstein had a saying, um, learn from yesterday, live for today and hope for tomorrow. 
Okay, uh, somebody, which I think kind of sums yeah, up yeah, a lot. And someone agreeing with your, your comment earlier it says, um, I often drink alcohol when I'm down and I know I'm only doing myself self-harm. It really doesn't work. And then a couple of other people are saying mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness is really, yeah. really useful. And, and, and it's, I mean, if you, if you have access to online, it's very easy to learn mindfulness. Oh, absolutely. And mindfulness at the bottom line is breathing in and breathing out. But in awareness that, in other words, that we're concentrating on the fact that I'm breathing in and I'm holding and I'm breathing out with the shoulders coming down. But, um, but to concentrate on that, um, uh, I mean, we're breathing all the time anyway. Yeah. If we weren't, we wouldn't be around at all. But like to actually concentrate on the breathing. And there are some great um, apps. Uh, going like um, I think there's one called Cam and um, there's a one that someone mentioned to me called Aura and um, and there are others um, uh, some people would find those um, very helpful I think especially younger people who are so used to using their phones yeah. for A, B, C and okay. D uh, and to finish off gratitude I mean when you when you when we're looking at hope versus hopelessness be grateful for what you have even Absolutely. even if things seem to you seem to be in a very dark place just be grateful for what you have Absolutely and for those of us who have for example we have a roof over our heads today if it rains um we'll have some of that healthy food today um and also we'll have a bed uh, to lie in tonight and um uh, maybe these are things that we totally take for granted but when we listen to the news recently um, you know, they're not, those, the, the, those are not readily available for everyone. And for those of us that have those, we should be thankful. Yeah, and it's an easy, I think it's a lovely thing to do at the end of the day. Just in your mind, you know, I know, I know some people like to write them down. I just like to go through them in my mind. Just be thankful for the smallest little things that can happen uh, during the day. Absolutely. OK, and one other listener says, went through a very bad patch and I took up volunteering, the best thing I yes. ever did. Well done. Yes. OK, we got to leave it there, Joe. As always, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. Thank you, Patricia. And, and the same to you, and JP, in, and I'll let's see one or three. And enjoy your walk. Thanks, yeah. Joe. Joe runs a counselling practice in Boherbui. His number is 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. And that's where we have to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We've got Nick Richards uh, with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. I know I didn't get around to everybody's texts and comments, but we will take a look at all of them and uh, we might even get back to some of them uh, tomorrow. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.